In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. We are back with another episode of Crown Jewels, the elite podcast for the royally obsessed, presented by Betches Media. I'm Samantha Bush. And I'm Lex Nico. And this week, we're doing something a little different. In honor of the holidays, we've decided to do a review of one of our favorite shows and talk about the latest season of The Crown. Yeah, so I have been waiting to do this with you. Me because too. <laughs> I'm obsessed with The Crown. Mm-hmm. And especially this season specifically. So just like warning everyone, there are spoilers ahead. We will be talking about the entire season. We'll be talking about the entire season. If you haven't seen season five of The Crown, watch it or take it in as we break it down episode by episode. And I also love that we're like, there's spoilers ahead. It's like, well, this is like history. So (laughs) you can Google it. Do you know how much Googling I was doing as I was watching it to be like, what really happened here? That meme of like, it's like, well, started watching The Crown, got to get my, week, my Wikipedia page up because it's like you're literally Googling like who everyone is like while yes. you're watching and then like you got to pause it and then you're like, okay, so this is what happened because I don't know about you, but I treat this this show like it's a, this is real. Everything mm-hmm. that's in this show is fact to me. It all Even happened. Though- It happened exactly like this. The internal private dialogue between people is accurate. Fact. Right? Like, we are joking. Let's be clear. Because a lot of people get upset with the dramatic liberties that this show takes. So I know. But it's like, it's a show. What? They're not. I mean, come on. They got to make it. They got to bring it all together and make it entertaining and... Mm-hmm. It is what it is. But did you know, again, in my in my research, they um, Dame Judi Dench called out Netflix and she was like, you should have um, a pre-episode like tag saying that this is dramatized for the show in every episode. Okay. Judy. I'm like, it's been five seasons, babes. Like, I know, but on. it's also like, it's a show. Obviously, people like, come on, just stop. Stop Correct. the nonsense. We agree on that. Yeah. I don't know if we'll agree for the rest of it, but that's what I love about you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so what do you feel about the cast? Because okay. there was some, you know, back and forth about the cast, how people felt. Because up until I feel like season five, people have been really on board with who is being portrayed by who. You know? Yes. I mean, right off the top, I'm just going to say... Imelda Staunton portrayed the queen. Mm-hmm. I am not a Harry Potter person, but I think this woman has ties to Harry Potter. Girl. Yes? Yes. She okay. plays Umbridge. And she's okay. like this nasty, mean, horrible woman in this in the movie and slash book, but I didn't read the book, <laughs> which is, should be no surprise to anybody. And um, it's... It is kind of hard because I have never seen her in anything else. Okay. And 
it did take me a second to be like, oh, she's the queen. She's not like going to torture these kids at Hogwarts. Yes. Like, it really did take me a second. But I think she got like her mannerisms down perfectly. Oh. She got her voice down. Like, she was great in it. She I was thought. so, that's what I was going to say. Okay. She was like, she was probably the way that she like captured the queen going through this like realization of her age and almost aging mm. out of popularity and also like this modern monarch. Like I thought she captured it so well. I loved this woman. I was like, I'm ready to die for you. Mm-hmm. I just, I, she was it for me. Yeah. She and was like, it if for you me. especially don't have the ties to Harry Potter, like, yes, you're probably like, why the fuck is everyone so upset about this? Like, uh-huh. People were. Yeah. Pissed. I loved her. I loved her. I thought she did great. I really did. Oh, my goodness. All right. Let's talk about Prince Charles, please. Oh, stunning. He's played by Dominic West. And again, everyone was up in arms about it because they're like, Dominic West is so hot. Like, how dare he play this, like, goober This is what Dame Judi Dench was talking about with dramatic liberty. Yeah. Like, this is what everyone's talking about. And I have, again, to disagree because I think he played him perfectly. Yes. Okay, I understand he doesn't look exactly like Charles. Like, but he's such a brilliant actor and Mm -hmm. he was so good as Charles that I was like, and again, this is a show. I know I just said I treated it like a documentary, (laughs) but in my mind, like, that's how Charles looks, you know? Like, I'm like, yeah. Samantha. I mean, Charles does not look like Dominic West, but I no, agree no, with no. you that he captured his essence so well. Again, I think it was like in watching it the second time, I noticed all of these like nuances of the characters and like you could see him feeling mm-hmm. so like frustrated that mm-hmm. he couldn't be the leader of like the yeah. monarch and that conflict with the queen. Like he did a great job. And he remember I told brilliant. you. I think I talked about it a couple of episodes, how I went to Jimmy Kimmel and he was there Mm -hmm. and he was talking about having to learn how to dance out of sync Mm because there was in the credits, the like hip hop for um, the, what is it? The Prince's Trust, the Prince's Trust. Um, And he's hip hop dancing with all the kids. And I'm like, incredible. I know. (laughs) It's like, he's, he deserves an Emmy. Mm -hmm. Like, and if there were still Golden Globes, I'd give him a Golden Globe. (laughs) Are there not Golden Globes anymore? No. Rest in peace. Whoa. May they rest. Whoa. Okay. No. Yeah, I don't think, um, yeah, I don't think they're around. All right. Well, that's, that's new. Oh, and fun fact, young William is Dominic West's son in real life. The kid that plays young William. Yep. He said it again on Jimmy Kimmel. And then I looked it up, obviously, IMDb. And uh, that's his real son. Oh, my God. I crazy. had no clue. I know. They That's don't look really that crazy. much alike, but they look great. I love that alike. kid. They look, look nothing alike. I don't know what my problem is. I like literally feel bad for everybody on the show. For, for who? Like you feel bad for the actors or you feel bad for like the people? The people. Like it just like they seem miserable. Oh, trapped. they're all mizzy. They're yeah. all miserable. And the most miserable was Diana. Oh, Diana. Yeah. yeah. Played by Elizabeth Debicki, who I, I mean- what are we going to say? It's, Chef's kiss. She's the perfect Diana. Perfect. Perfect. Fuck Kristen Stewart's portrayal of Diana. <laughs> I hated yeah, her as I Diana. could barely watch that movie. 
oh, the glancing. She's always Ugh. glancing and she needs always. to fucking knock it off. And um, Elizabeth, I mean, the body is Diana. The height is Diana. The faces. The yeah, ass, like everything. 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 The expression. The, the expression that these people nail on this show is like 10 out of 10 for me. Uh-huh. I can't believe it. And again, I think it's like in the rewatch I noticed so much more. So but I was like, more. wow. I did too. Well, so yeah. And then, I mean, do we want to break it down episode by episode? Yeah. And get into get episode into one? Yeah. All right. Let's get into episode one. So we kind of start on episode one with Prince Charles. Now I have to go back to Prince Charles, not King Charles. And they're talking about, you know, getting public favor again for him and Diana. Mm -hmm. There's an article that is pending um, because they've done some research uh, with the public and they kind of see Queen Elizabeth as outdated and they describe Charles as young, energetic, modern, and empathetic. And they're like, to maintain this momentum... You and Diana should go on a second honeymoon. So we kind of go through that. And then there's also this conversation around should the queen abdicate the throne because of her age in favor of public opinion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was some rumblings online about this being like totally fabricated. And like it wasn't this like Charles didn't want the queen to like abdicate her throne. Okay, But I do think that the... um, the overall like overarching theme of this whole season when it started in season one with this idea of the queen being outdated, not relatable. The, I mean, this is like the 90s. Like people mm-hmm. are like, people are over it. And it's way more like representative of how people feel now. Mm-hmm. And this idea that Charles wants to be like a modern king. Yes. And you know what's really weird, Lex? Tell me. Is seeing this show, rewatching it, after watching the Meghan and Harry documentary, after watching the Queen pass a few mm-hmm. months ago, and now we're heading into Charles's coronation. It's like really weird kind of to like rewatch the show. It's weird. And like one of the things that I pointed out was they were having conversation um, around like the vision of the institution and how it needs to evolve and how, you know... Diana and Charles are obviously struggling in their relationship. We hear them talk separately on the show about how like they have nothing in common. And somebody says his one greatest asset is his wife. And I wrote that down because I was like the parallels again of like Harry saying that about Meghan Mm -hmm. and like the, you know, the people saying that about Diana. Like it's just really interesting to see these parallels, but also to like the point of dramatizing this. I'm like, Netflix, did you know what you were doing here? Like, I also questioned that. <laughs> I know. I I mean, I feel like they maybe leaned into that a little bit Heavy. more than maybe in real life. But again, like, I treat this like this is all really happening. And this. Correct. Um, and I do think that they had to kind of punch things up a little bit more because they're only like 50 minute episodes. So it's like I we know. kind of have to like shove everything in. Um, and again, only 10 episodes long. So I don't know. I mean, I, I like that that's how they started the season was kind of this like undercurrent of the queens getting older, who's taking over, yes. et cetera. And we also see that rooted in like the royal yacht because, um, mm-hmm. you know, the prime minister asks Prince Philip to support it and fund it with their own personal money and not taxpayer dollars. And obviously 
the queen and Philip are all upset about that. And I only want to mention the yacht in the sense that it comes kind of full circle towards the end of the season as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is like a really interesting kickoff to this season. And for me, at least, like, this is kind of the first season where like the characters and the main players, like I, I know them as I remembered them. Like, in pre, you know, we were so like I don't even know if I was born, but like no, I this mean, is you the were first- definitely not born in nineteen like fifty. So, and if you were, you look Thank great. Thank you for confirming. That. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. But like, this is the first season that I like feel like oh, I remember some of this in the news, and you know, mm-hmm. I, like my very first like celebrity memory is actually like learning of the death of Princess Diana, and so it's kind of wild to now be caught up um, and go through this season understanding a little bit more, like understanding more snippets of what actually happened. I, it's really crazy, actually. Mm-hmm. And especially because like, way. we've come such a long way. I mean, <laughs> we were in the trenches there for a second. I, the way that I, especially, I didn't Google as much this season, but like the first like two or three, I was literally like, oh God, what happened? What yep. really happened? Like Winston Churchill? I'm like, I know. Okay. What? Yeah, it was like, crazy. That's when I was really treating it like a historical documentary. Oh, literally, I was like, this all happened. You can't tell me <laughs> otherwise. All right, let's get into episode two, Samantha. Yes. So Diana's phone mm-hmm. has been hacked. Yeah, we start hearing the clicking. The, the clicking, clicking weirded me out. That is so fucking creepy. And I felt so bad for her. I mean, in so many ways. And like, I... I do struggle with the way that Diana is portrayed a lot of the time, not in just in The Crown, but in like any document, like any movie, anything about her, because they really portray her as this like deeply unstable, like depressed person. And I do think that that was a part of who she was. But I also think that there was like this whole other side to her that I just wish that we saw more of, you know, like. The fun side, the going to Studio 54, sneaking into gay bars with Elton John. Like, that is, like, why aren't we seeing that? And I'm just, like, so it bothers me. But, again, I do feel terrible that her phones are literally being hacked. And she's trapped and she's by herself. And no one is protecting her or helping her. Exactly. Again, we see those parallels of Diana. And we have – she has some sort of public event and she asks – uh, Diana or somebody approaches Diana's like comms director and asks to write a book of what it's really like mm-hmm. marrying into the royal family. And so her phones are being hacked. She's starting to get paranoid. She wants to tell her side of the story. And so she starts giving an interview and she starts speaking. Um, and again, she's not speaking directly with the author. She's speaking and recording it. And James Coltshurst, who's the um, royal... I guess like her like comms person, mm-hmm. her aide, um, is the one working with the author on getting this book out. And ultimately, the rumor starts to reach Prince Philip. Prince Philip comes to uh, Diana's residence and starts like he low key threatens her or reminds her of mm-hmm. the way the royal family is and kind of like what you're expected to do as a member and a senior member of the royal family. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because none of them are happy. Yes. But this yet is what I'm saying. They, they just want to continue this like 
institution and they they're like this is the way it's always been done and like harry again talked about it in the documentary where he was like well we all had to go through it so she's got to go through it but mm-hmm. it's like why? why exactly like why can't we break the cycle so that to me was very interesting to watch um because like they're all so miserable in this in this place and they they're so threatened by anybody exposing how miserable they all are. Yes. And um, which is understandable. Like, I get both sides. I obviously don't agree with them, um, but they don't know any other way to be. Agreed. And they're it's like, like again, they're like trapped in tradition. And it's like this refusal and like self inflicted pain and suffering because it really is. they can't even fathom seeing a different perspective or trying it a new way because this is the way that it's always been. And like, again, that like tension between Charles and Diana and Camilla um, and like Prince Philip and the queen is like, we keep seeing it so much as a theme Mm -hmm. in this season. And it's so hard to not compare it with everything that's currently happening in the monarchy. So it's kind of like crazy, you know, even the author is like, oh, I didn't talk to Diana directly. And then it's like, you know, the People magazine is like, oh, well, we, like, Megan had no idea we were doing this interview. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. No, there were so many times where I was like, that happened to Megan, too. Like, Mm -hmm. it was really weird. And especially knowing now how the press really works, like, how they have press rooms in the palace. Like, I don't know why, but, like, I understood it a lot more after the documentary. So to watch, to rewatch The Crown was like really kind of crazy i know yeah and again knowing that this is like more current you're like oh my gosh this has been happening forever but also this was happening right under our noses for decades just under our little baby noses at the time (laughs) we had no clue what was to come (laughs) oh so episode three yes i love episode three i loved episode three too i want you to talk about it first okay i mean we have to, we really have one thing happening here. It's our Mohammed and Dodi Al-Fayed origin story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we see them. We see, like, Mohammed meet his wife, get married, have his son, and mm-hmm. then, like, ultimately want to, you know, make his place in sort of, like, and legacy in, I don't the know British how to describe society? British society. Yes, yeah. that's a great way to put it. But as a part of his story... We learn about Sidney Johnson, who was the aide to former King of England, Edward VIII, and he is my Bahamian king. I adore him. I want a spinoff story. This episode truly, like, I know this wasn't the main focus of the episode, but like watching Edward and Sidney's relationship, Sidney coming in and teaching Mohammed everything about how to, you know, be the creme de la creme in British society that he learned from Edward VIII. Mm-hmm. And then Mohammed coming full circle and taking care of Sydney in his sickness. Like, I could break down into tears right now. No, I'm tearing up. I love this man. I want to know. This is like one I that I know everything incessantly. about him. Mm-hmm. It was such a beautiful episode. And it was really, I mean, and if you're listening and you're not sure, like, who these people are Dodi Fayed, right? Yes. Yeah. He was the man who was dating Diana at the time of her death who passed away as well. So this is his father. They um they bought Herod's drugstore 
Department um, store. Department store. Huge. Excuse me. Yeah. Excuse me. Department <laughs> store. Um, and they were just trying. He was really trying to make his way. And he like idolized the monarchy. Like he yes. wanted to like get in there. Like he wanted to see what it was about. And yeah, he um, him and Sydney kind of like took him under his wing a little bit and was showing him and they bought the castle. The castle. And it yeah. was like in shambles. Yes. And he was and like, he was oh like, my God, I'm going to redo it all. Yeah. I'm going to restore the castle. And like Sydney was so happy um, because it was, you know, staying within the family. And mm-hmm. he was doing all of this. Mohammed or Mumu, as we come to know his nickname. Yeah. Was doing all of this because he wanted to win the queen's respect and she wouldn't even meet with him. No. And it's actually how Diana and Mohammed first meet because he buys a seat at an event or a race or something. And yeah. he is thinking that he's going to be seated next to the queen, like after trying and trying and trying again. And she sends Diana instead. And Margaret and Diana, or sorry, Margaret and the queen are just commenting on, you know, how they seem to hit it off so well. And this is the first time that Diana and Dodie meet, not in a romantic setting, but he comes over to speak to his father. She introduces herself, vice versa, and then he carries on his way. But I really, I loved this episode. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It was really beautiful. And it was really beautifully done and like seeing everything be kind of become restored mm-hmm. in this castle. And he was so excited because he was like, oh, the queen's going to come and see it. Yes. This is so exciting. And like, that's not what happened. That's not what happened um, at She all. did not come and see the castle. She took all of the uh, royal yeah. artifacts <laughs> She away. was like, I'm taking <laughs> she everything. She came to collect. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, he was basically like Chip and Joanna Gaines. Like yes. he thought he was going to come in there, fix her upper and... <laughs> <laughs> like that's that did not you know happen. someone would live there and no one lived there so but Sydney like that when it cut to the scene of him in the bed I know it gives me a little chill like it was really really sad and I just want more about him and I'm so glad that they told his story I know I and I just think like it was so nice to see like he was obviously such a loyal person not only to the royal family but also to Mohammed and like to see Mohammed come and be loyal to him and care for him, I was just like, oh my god! I know. I was like, that was so beautiful. I know. It was. It was just. I loved it. What can I say? Yeah, I really loved it. I did too. Okay, we're gonna take a hard left. Um, <laughs> a real hard left. A real hard left. Let's into dive episode into episode four. four. <laughs> I need you guys to know that Lex <laughs> took note. Obviously. I did. Um, I'm a Virgo. Um, what do you yeah, want from me? She's a Virgo queen. Um, I'm both a Sagittarius moon and rising, so I got a lot of chaos. There's not yeah. a lot of organization happening over here. But I need you guys to know that the first bullet point is Fergie <laughs> toe sucking exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. 
I mean, okay, the theme of this episode for me was like people wanting to live their true life, okay? Like, and it's in so many different ways. Like, we have Prince Andrew being like, mommy, she was caught again, toe-sucking. I loved this man that played Prince Andrew. Yeah. Like, he played him to a T. I could not believe it. It was perfect. It was like, especially... Especially now, knowing that Andrew is just a fucking slimy, disgusting little fuck. Mm -hmm. And to watch him just be such a goob and like a whiny little baby with his mom because he was the queen's favorite. Yes. Which is really upsetting. It's, Um, you know, her worst character flaw. (laughs) I mean, among other things, but like. (laughs) Is loving the sex trafficker. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, it, I loved watching the actor play him, though, because he played him so well. Oh, like, it was so brilliant. Well. He was like, mommy, <laughs> I want a golden goose. It's like, yes. oh, my God, you're such a loser. It was wild, but, like, I enjoyed his portrayal so much. But, yes, we have him asking the wa- the queen for a divorce, and then we have, you know. Which she again. grants. Which she grants, Yes. Mm-hmm never like been done before in their family um in this like generation excuse me i should say and we see again the tension with charles and diana but we also see a reconciliation of sorts of my girl princess margaret and her lost love love of her life I'm gonna start peter crying. townsend no go for it tear up <laughs> i know love lost <laughs> samantha love lost no, don't. Yeah. Um, it was so sad. So It is so sad. Uh, earlier, in earlier seasons, we see Margaret, Princess Margaret falls in love with Peter Townsend. Gosh. And they're madly in love. Like, ugh, it's beautiful. And But the queen wouldn't let them be together. Like, Correct. was like, absolutely not. Not happening. This is, we're not doing this. So then you see her grant the divorce for her son. And then you also see her, I believe, with Princess Anne. Oh, yes. Princess right. Anne wanted to marry, I can't remember who. A man who was divorced. Yes. yes. And so that kind of throws Margaret into this like tailspin of like, well, why wouldn't you let me do that? Mm-hmm. Like, I was madly in love too. Why, yes. why, did, why was I treated different? And then you, it was really beautiful. They, she was listening to the radio and like she was giving an interview on the radio of like her favorite music and peter was listening yeah and then he writes her a letter because she she alludes to their love explaining Mm. why one of the songs had sentimental value for her and then you see him sing it like in separate places and like it was just and then she reads the letter and she couldn't believe that he wrote her a letter and He's just like in awe of her. Like, no, can't get enough. And there's so many common commonalities I feel between how Harry must feel being William's brother and how Margaret must yes. feel being the Queen's sister because they're both so much better suited to be the monarch. Mm-hmm. I feel than like the Queen was. Like, yes. I get the Queen was a great queen she was stable consistent etc cetera, etc cetera. 
But Margaret, like, really would have loved that. Like, she would have loved to be in the spotlight and sing and dance and, like, do her thing. Like, there would be personality, right? Not that, but whereas the queen erred on the side of, like, being very rigid in the name of service, which is fair. That's her approach. But, like, it was also interesting and, like, I think, I just want to talk, I need to talk about this. Like, they meet at this dinner party, right? They both go to this dinner party um, where everyone is in attendance, including the prime minister, Diana, et cetera. And like, she's in that pink dress mm-hmm. with her hair poofed up and they dance, they dance. I know. And then they like reconnected. Yeah. But then he tells her that he's dying. Yeah, and literally she gets so upset. And of course, goes to the queen and they hash it out. And the queen, again, it's this theme of like, well, this is the way that it is. Like, this is it. This is it. And, you know, Margaret's like, well, if it's the way that it is, why are you letting this person, this person do that? And it culminates in the queen giving this speech talking about, you know, a bit more honest than she's been. And she says that it's been, you know, anus horribilis, which means like a horrible year in Latin. And she acknowledges that they their family has struggled this year and people personally have struggled with their feelings and emotions, something that the family never speaks about. Never talks about. And no. I loved the end of this episode because it's the Queen and Margaret on the phone and she's like, I heard your speech and I appreciate, like they kind of like hashed it out. But again, they're saying so many words, but beating around the bush of like actually saying I'm sorry and things like that. But then they say, I love you. And it's funny because Margaret's like, let's never do that again. It's so like middle class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like they don't talk like that. At all. <laughs> At all. They don't talk like that. They don't hug. They don't. They're like, we're not doing this. This is not This is not our vibe. Right. So lovely ending, but, yeah. you know, out of character. Okay, I want to talk about episode five because as our resident bowler, and uh, I also want to highlight we had a really funny comment on our podcast where somebody said, surprisingly good listen, but they're like, one of them is a Camilla fan and one of them is definitely not. Yeah. So thank they were you like, to that Surprisingly person. good. Yes. I was like, thanks for that. I loved that five comment. Star review. Please leave a five-star review and your comments at any time. We read them and appreciate them. But I had a question for you because I didn't know this and I don't know if this is true or not, but like. Did, was Camilla's husband aware of their, like, it was just blatant that they were having an affair? Like, I didn't I know that at knew. the time. Everyone knew. Yeah? I think it was pretty common clear knowledge. and common knowledge, but I don't think people really talked about it. Mm-hmm. I think it was a lot of things that were just, like, we're not, again, we're not going there. We're British. Stiff upper lip. And, you know, everything, all roads lead back to housewives for me because I'm, like, mentally ill. And I always think of Lisa Vanderpump when I talk about stuff like this, because she would always be like, I'm British. Like, we don't like we really are like very don't talk about our feelings. We're rigid. Like they do have like obviously not all British people, but like there is like they do have like depth and they have like warmth, but they don't like lead with that. But I do think um, her husband like was a little bit aware of the fact that she was like in love with France. Yeah. And like she's having, I think it's Christmas dinner with her family and he calls to like mm-hmm. review a speech. Um, and then we get 
a random person who ends up who ends up interrupting the call or intersecting the call, intercepting the call at random and records it. And it's him going over his speech and Camilla giving him feedback. And we don't see it at the time, but then it's being circulated to the British media and they're like, this is an abomination and this will be an explosive article and blah, blah. And then this is where we get Tampon Gate, which- Oh, my favorite. <laughs> Go for it. My favorite. So first of all, let me just say that I'm glad that we're seeing this relationship between Charles and Camilla because- the- it is like a really deep relationship. They have like a lot of like respect for one another. They have a lot of similar interests. They have the same sense of humor. I mean, they're both like weird. Yes. So to see him call her to like help him with a speech, I think was a way to let people know like this wasn't just like a like a tryst. Like they didn't just like fuck. Yeah. They were like really in it. I know. But tampon gate. Oh, God. It's a tough. It's tough. I mean, I'm obsessed with it. It's just so far. Please, please take it away. Because like when he I, acting that scene, I don't know how anybody could do it. Go for it. So him and Camilla were having a phone conversation. And it got leaked because their phones were being tapped, basically. Yes. And in this conversation, I mean, before sexting, there was phone sex, and that's essentially <laughs> what these two were having with one another. And Charles was just simply stating that he loves her so much that he wanted to live inside of her, and then <laughs> joked that he was going to be reincarnated as a tampon so he could live inside of her. Yes, and swirl around inside yeah. of her. It's upsetting. I don't listen. <laughs> I wouldn't love that being said to me, but do I love the like the like idea that someone would love me so much that they would come back as a tampon? Like, yeah. You can get I down do. with that? Okay. Oh my god, of course. I mean, I also like it's it was it's like the wild. 1993 version of asking someone if they would be a worm. <laughs> You know, like, would you still love me if I was a worm? Yes. Okay, it's you're like right. Giving, it's giving worm. Oh, my gosh. It was a lot. And it's that, a lot. So, again, Listen, it was a lot, a lot to even hear, like, being acted out. But this happened. In, this this actually happened. Okay? And so they had to address the affair. And this is also the moment that we get Diana coming out of Tampon Gate, attending the Serpentine Gallery's summer party in the revenge dress. Now, yes. if you don't know, the revenge dress is a famous dress Diana wore. It is an off-the-shoulder black sleeve, like, you know, a little bit of a deep neck, a plunging neckline, if you will, tight mini dress. And this is when she had the pearls Choker. with the diamond in the middle. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, that dress just stopped traffic. It really did because it was off the shoulder. Mm -hmm. It was off the shoulder. She got her titties out. And it <laughs> she also. She got her titties out. She got I her titties you. out. And I love the crown's dedication to detail because Diana famously got out of the car holding her clutch against her chest because she didn't want anyone to ever look down her shirt mm -hmm. or whatever. So I love like when 
she gets out of the car in the revenge dress, she does do that. Yes. Um, it's just like a little nod to like a detail. And I just like that's why I love this show because it like they just get it like to the T. And I remember seeing set photos of Elizabeth in this dress. And I remember like literally gagging. I Yeah. I, I remember was, like, you posting it. Freaking my mind out. like blew. I was like, she's Diana. This woman yeah. is literally Diana. She's 80 feet tall. She's, you know, thin and like got the hair and the body. She's got the look. I was living. living. She captured Diana so perfectly. Like I can't even talk about it. It's it's like so wild. Mm-hmm. And then we have Charles needing to retaliate or do damage control, whatever you want to call it. But he wants yeah. to carve himself out as a more modern monarch. And this is what I spoke about earlier, where he creates the prince's trust, where he's going into like low income communities to let them know that you know, he is going to be supporting them with funding. Mm-hmm. And this is the scene where we get the closing credits with Prince Charles doing the dancing, Shake which again, I had never seen after that episode. I had to YouTube it and I had the time of my life. Yeah. <laughs> when I discovered this video, it was like the time I discovered Kim Cattrall scatting on YouTube. I've never seen that. You've never seen her scat? No. Oh, it's really funny. She's it's like a home video. She's with her husband and she's like da 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 like she scouts. Oh my it's God. so homework. I have homework. It's so funny. It like reminded me of that where I was like, this is iconic. Like this will be canon forever. Oh my gosh. All right. Let's dive into the second half of the season, starting with episode six and We get into the Romanoffs, another historical moment Mm -hmm. that um, I seemed to not recall from history until I dove into this research, probably as deep as Philip did. I don't know if it's like my partially Russian heritage, but this was wild. And so here, let me set the scene. Yeah, please. This is, they should have put a trigger warning on the beginning of this episode because it was a little bit heavy, but essentially- Yeah, a lot of, but this really happened. No, I know. I it was just like because it was like the start of the episode. I was like a little taken aback, but continue. So in Russia, we we start in Russia, and it's the Romanov family, and they're all being told to go into this room because there are people invading their house or going to invade their house, and they're like, go in this room and wait here. We're going to protect you, and we're going to escape. And to make a long story short. Um, the Russian army comes in and executes them, the entire family, children, a dog, everyone. And it's and dramatic. You see it all. You see it all. And so then we jump ahead to present day and democracy has just been restored in Russia. Um, they have their first like Russian president and he wants to meet the queen. And he basically, um, we get Prince Philip who... Him and Elizabeth have been growing apart. He's been spending a lot of time with Penny Rumsey, who I believe is the wife of his godson. Mm -hmm. And it was never confirmed, again, in my Googling, if like they had a romantic relationship or not. But it was like a she was like a confidant to him. A confidant. Yes. Like I think he was they were having emotional. Yes. I don't think they ever. And she was like half his age. She was quite young. Yeah. But they had a friendship or something of that sort. And with the idea of the Russian president coming to visit the queen um, and visit England, 
He starts researching. Oh, and actually, I should say they went to Russia first for the first time. And so he's researching obsessively with his Russian Romanov roots. Mm -hmm. And Elizabeth is excited because she thinks that he's doing this um, because he's excited to go to Russia with her and they've grown apart. But really, he's doing this because he's been having conversations with Penny Rumsey and he's getting all excited about that. So the queen thinks it's going to reconnect them. He's really just interested in having his own thing and he feels like they have nothing in common, similar to Diana and Charles. Mm -hmm. And this episode made me so sad for the queen. Oh. She's trying her little heart out. When she makes the joke on the plane, I can't remember the specific details of it, but she's so proud of herself and he's like, huh, cool, and goes back to reading. I'm like, you jerk. They're so disconnected like you said and it's both of their faults Mm -hmm. i think it's hard i don't think it's i don't know if it's possible to have like a real megan and harry type of relationship when you're the queen and you become the queen at 25 like i don't think that that's possible especially not for her and i think she just really put duty above everything yes and then when that kind of turns against her a little bit when it comes to philip for example who she's like loves she's in love with philip philip is like the baddest Mm -hmm. she just thinks he is like it and if you guys go back and look at photos of him he was he was a real looker so i don't think could get it and she you know but i also understand like he wants a connection with someone and she's not giving that to him. Mm-hmm. He's like the prince of England, like technically king, technically prince, I don't know, um, of England. And he can't like divorce her. It's like they're, they're trapped in this fucking institution that's not working. Yeah. But they can't get out of it. They don't know how without everything crumbling around them. And the scene where... She plays with her dogs, the corgis. They had like, they just went separately. And like she just is like, okay, I guess I'll just like be with my dogs. And I was like, that's her one true love, to be honest. I know. Um, And she's so happy with them. She's so happy. And he's just sitting at his desk looking at her. And I'm like, oh, I understand you're all trapped. But like. Just, I felt so bad for her. I don't know what's my problem. I feel bad for them. I feel bad. For her, because it's like she just is trying, and mm-hmm. she's like, "I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm just the Queen of England. I'm just like this." It's is like hard. they don't know how to process feelings, and they so they just end up swallowing feelings every single time, and like living in this like low key misery. Um, and it's so like again hard to see, but also like they do such a good job of capturing it, like. They really do. And I believe it. This you is feel fact. the loneliness. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is how they really felt this really happened. Oh, my so. gosh. And Penny Rumsey, I mean, I, I'm looking a little sideways at her because I'm like, this is like kind of a weird relationship for you to have, too. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's strange. It's a strange It's bizarre. Thing. It's yeah. very weird. Yeah. But again, nothing made sense with a lot of these relationships. And no. uh, that's where we are. <laughs> that's. <laughs> That's pretty much that. 
All right, let's talk about episode seven because this is where we get Wills heading to Eaton College. Mm -hmm. Again, Wills played by Dominic West's son, Nepo Babies, rise up. (laughs) The Nepo High rise up. Uh, But it's, it's interesting because this is also the episode where Diana makes a new romantic friend in Dr. Khan. Mm. Yeah, the acupuncturist. The, the, the true love of her life. Yes. And so the acupuncturist, her husband is having surgery and Diana's like, I'll come with you. And she meets Dr. Khan. But then she also starts going to the hospital to visit with patients because she's lonely as well. And she's not coming with security. She's not coming with cameras or anything like that. She just appreciates the human connection. Mm-hmm. It was really, I love that scene where Dr. Khan is like walking the hall and I think it's a nurse because he like stops and like looks at her mm-hmm. in the room where she's talking to a patient and the nurse is like, she just comes and talks to people and connects with them. And it's not a photo opportunity. She has no security with her. She's just here. And um, they find, you know, love in a hopeless place. And that hopeless place is a hospital waiting room eating vending machine food. chips. Yeah. Having some crisps. He's so kind to her and so sweet and like. It has been said that that was the true love of her life. Oh and he my was gosh. the only one that like never betrayed her and never used her. And um, but he couldn't be with her because he's like, you're this crazy celebrity. Like, yeah, I don't. This is not for me. And it oh, it was like so sad. And she I mean, the minute she saw him, she was about it. Oh, she was into it. I, and- I mean, I did have to roll my eyes, Lex. I really did. Because this woman's like. Her acupuncturist is just like being told this horrible news about her husband's surgery. And Diana's like, did you see the doctor? <laughs> and she was like, no. And she's like, his eyes, his hands. I know. I'm like, his Diana, was on his read shoes. the fucking room. Like, this woman's being told like, yeah, we got to go back in. Like, your husband, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I really wasn't focused on um, the doctor. I'm just yeah, focused on what fuck he was him saying. right now. <laughs> and Jesus. I think this is like where we get some of like Diana's naivete and like, mm-hmm. It's like she was young, but also like she didn't have a full understanding of the world, you know, like and as much as I love Diana and she was and always will be the people's princess for me. It's like this is like what I appreciated about this is like those are glimpses of flaws in what I often feel sometimes the crown like captures her as this like angelic victim. Yes, I know. And and I want everyone listening to understand like Lex and I are we we like to talk about nuance you know Mm -hmm. and we can respect the fact that all the good that she did but there was she's also a human being so she will have flaws and like we will talk about them I do feel like people are very protective of her yes um which I get um but yeah I mean Diana at the end of the day was just just a girl just a human being and she was did get married at like 19 and mm-hmm. she was like trapped in this monarchy and with Charles and, you know, it was she was it was hard out there. But I really thought it was interesting. This episode, we got um, some more background into the whole like Martin Bashir scandal. Oh, my gosh. Yes. We saw yeah. like the beginnings of that big explosive B- BBC interview come to light. And I did not know. Um, again, this was all I, I went down a rabbit hole last night. I did not know that, like, they started with her brother, Charles Spencer. I didn't either. And went to him with forged documents. 
Yeah. So they started it out by, I think they were reading about how she was being spied on and a letter of hers got leaked to the press. Mm -hmm. Uh, That sounds very familiar. Once again. (laughs) Once again, history is repeating itself. So the fact that Harry wanted to get the fuck out of there made total sense. Agreed. Don't know how anyone can't really see that. (laughs) But that was interesting. So then they kind of like preyed on her a little bit and not a little bit, a lot. And they... They exploited that weakness of her feeling paranoid. You know, her phones were being tapped. Her letters are being leaked. She's alone in this fucking palace. And um, they were like, okay, let's, let's get at her. Because yep. I do think that she really, really wanted to talk. Like, she Absolutely. really wanted her voice to be heard. So I do think that if anyone really came to her and kind of needled her just a little, she would have done it. Yeah, she would have been But they didn't in. have to, like, lie. I know. And they really went to great lengths to uh, do that. And I didn't realize that with all of those forged bank statements, unethical actions that led to the interview, um, it wasn't until the 2000s that they actually like did an investigation and got to the root of it. I think it might have been like 2021. Oh, it was very recent. Yeah. Because William came out and said, like, I don't want this interview ever played played again. And Harry's like, I'll throw it in my jacket. (laughs) I'll throw that in there because I he's like, we'll play clips. We'll definitely show what my mom really thought. You know, like it's it was like, I do have to laugh. Like William was like, this will never be aired. And Harry's like, actually, it will. I'm just laughing at you. We'll throw it in there. We'll throw it in there. So I do think it was really interesting because this was the beginning to me of seeing how William is mm-hmm. like seeing a little bit of insight into him um and how he's like mom you're embarrassing me yeah i'm 13 like please stop making a spectacle of things like you're em- and i mean when you're 13 like all you want to do is just not stand out and just mm-hmm. be normal but it's interesting how he's kind of taking on what the monarchy is like feeding him and this idea of like you can't show emotion. Yeah, Your mom's being unstable, you know, and he's like, mom, like, please don't do anything. It's simultaneously being paired with this uh, BBC interview getting geared up and ready to go. So it's like he's about to, like, freak out. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, like, let's get into episode eight because I think we get a lot of William – in episode eight, when Mm -hmm. we have him trying to work with the queen on her old school television. At first, she refuses to switch to satellite TV because all she needs is the BBC. Mm -hmm. Um, And we see this sort of like face off with the head of the BBC and the chairman of the board of governors of the BBC, who I need to point out is his name is Marmaduke Hussey. If you don't recognize that name, he's the husband of Susan Hussey, who just had to apologize and step down as a royal aide um, to Ngozi Fulani for her racist comments. So these, like, this is the thing that's so wild. It's like, Mm -hmm. these people are being portrayed in tandem with things happening with them in real life news and media. Like, it's blowing my mind. It really is. Like, when you told me that, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Like rewind. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So there's like a scene of them. And it's interesting because obviously Martin Bashir wants to do the interview with Diana and he's Mm -hmm. getting buy in from the head of BBC. But we have 
Um, Susan, they're celebrating her birthday at the Queen's house and she comes home to her husband. They call him Duke. And she's like, the Queen seemed off today. Maybe the BBC can do like a special on her talking about how wonderful she is and how hard she's worked for this country. And he's like, yep, uh-huh, for show. And he like pitches it to the head guy. And he's like, no, actually, we're going to go this way and do an interview with Diana. It's already being filmed. <laughs> yeah, they're like, um, so it's already in the works. Sorry. And it's it's tough. It's tough. And I remember the first time I, I watched it. Mm-hmm. Like, I obviously didn't watch it in real time. I was yeah. like a young little babe. But I remember watching it and like, I mean, I get that they manipulated her and lied to her about the whole situation. But I do. I'm happy she got her story out there. Um, I feel bad that it caused so much trouble for her, obviously. Mm-hmm. But oh, Elizabeth Dybeck, you just did a great job. She did such a great job. And like, I wanted to highlight, there's one scene where it's like William in the classroom and they're talking about this historical event called the gunpowder plot of 1605. And it's like this plot to blow up the royal family. And I found it so interesting that like simultaneously we're seeing all the BBC guys getting ready to literally record this up. episode in the room and literally and or, and well literally with the gunpowder plot and figuratively with this interview like blow up the royal family. Yeah. And we end this episode with Diana letting the queen know she's done this interview. And I just had a question that I wrote here because the what? queen's like I've only wanted your best interests. I've never spoken ill of you and blah blah and I'm like is she gaslighting Diana? Yes. A hundred percent. Okay. They gaslighted Megan too, where they were like, you know, if we knew that this she was going through this, things would have been different. It's mm-hmm. like, but you did know. You were told. You guys all know Diana was struggling. Like this wasn't a shock. Charles even knew that this like like Charles and Diana like both were fucking miserable. Yes. Like they both this was not a marriage of love. This was a marriage of like I mean, Misery? I, I th- the episodes to me, I'm sorry, are getting a little blurry now, but is it in episode eight or nine when Charles and Diana have that sit down together? That's episode nine. So we can get okay. into it. So episode eight ends with like her telling the queen and then the interview coming out and Charles being pissed. And then and episode Camille's nine. ripping cigs. <laughs> ripping the cigs. She's stressed. Because she's like, my life is being blown up. Mm-hmm. Like my life is being ex- like. You're because Diana like wasn't just like blowing up like like Charles's spot. She was like blowing up everybody. Well, this is where we get the quote where she's like, there were three people in this marriage, right? So mm-hmm. again, she knows and what she's doing. And people put that all together. Yes. They were like, oh, it's Camilla. Obviously. Yes. Yeah. And so episode nine is the episode where it's like the courtroom and the divorced couples and everyone's being granted their divorce. And there are these like clips sort of like peppered into the episode of real not real life, but everyday people sharing how their marriages fell apart mm-hmm. while we're watching, first and foremost, the queen formally agreeing to the termination of Diana and Charles's marriage and them going through the divorce. And that's where we get the scene, once the divorce is signed and finalized, of Charles coming over to Diana's and they make eggs in the kitchen and they hash out what happened in their marriage. And it was a really beautiful moment in the beginning. Mm-hmm. 
they really had just a really nice conversation about like, you know, they were she was so young and like this and they they really agreed like divorce was the best thing for us. Yes. This wasn't something like it was one sided. It was very amicable. They really just needed the queen's blessing. And it was kind of interesting, too, because I'm like, this is like the opposite of when Harry met Sally. You know how like when Harry met Sally, they have like the, the couple sitting down talking about their love story. Yes. Sprinkled in. This was like the opposite of that. It was like how everyone like hated each other by then. <laughs> oh, gosh. So that was nice. But then Diana like can't help herself. And no. she doesn't understand like Charles struggles so much with his role and she kind of brings that up and she's like, I was brought on basically to make you more likable. Yes. And like she basically. Like, how she, do you want him to fucking react to that? I know. And she says, like, I think that you are better suited for your actual interests. And she said in the interview, like, she thinks that he's better suited to not be king. And she kind of implied that about William and stuff, too. And mm -hmm. so then, you know, Charles starts to get heated and he's like, how could you say that publicly? Like, this is my path. Like, it is my birthright. It's William's birthright. And. Chaos ensues, but I thought that acting was really brilliant. It was so good. I was like, I felt like I was really watching them. I, was like, I know. Oh, this is really I mean, happening. we were. I mean, we were. It was them. <laughs> it was really, it was really interesting. And I liked imagining having them have that conversation. Mm -hmm. I liked it was that great. a lot. Yeah. All right. Let's jump to episode 10, our final episode. And I loved the beginning of this episode where they had a public televised forum around whether the UK British people want a monarchy and people would call in and vote yes or no. Uh -huh. Almost like a like telethon where people phone in. Yeah. And you see Diana just like laying all over the couch spread out calling and it's just like you have voted no. And I yeah. thought it was so funny. <laughs> well, also being simultaneous of Tony Blair being voted into prime yes. minister. So it yes. was like you're New watching Britain. people cheer for him and like be excited about him and be into this idea that he's going to come in and modernize Britain and blah, blah, blah. And then you're also being hit with like whiplash of the monarchy is like this old archaic yes. thing and like people are over it. They're done with it. Again, and those parallels, it's like John Major was the prime minister before Tony Blair. And <laughs> it's like this elderly man being, you know, taken out of power and mm -hmm. a younger man stepping in. And we see, you know, well, first of all, we see the Queen's birthday and Charles gives her this very thoughtful gift. <gasps> no, this was gift. so sad. I know. And then Prince Andrew gives this stupid fish on a Singing plaque that gas. opens its mouth and she loves it. And again, you can see Charles is so upset because mm -hmm. he put so much thought and effort into his gift. He like, I think that was, I think he gave her like a photo that he took or yeah. painted or something. And she was like, oh, it's lovely. And then fucking prince andrew gives Dying her the singing mouth sea bass or whatever yep. the fuck and she's like oh i'll hang it over my bed like she was loving it and charles is just like i'll never be the favorite yes and it's like you see that realization in his mind yeah and then watching him watch tony blair get cheered he's yes. like i want that like i want to modernize this family basically exactly and like then we get to the point. I mean, we also have Dodi Al-Fayed living his Hollywood life now. He's bringing his model girlfriend to meet Kelly his Fisher. dad. Kelly Fisher. Yes, thank you. And uh, his dad obviously is like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, like this is not it. And they have like a real relationship. And I was telling Lex before we started recording, like 
they um when he died she was totally shocked obviously that he was with diana and everything happened she's like we were in like a very serious relationship we were engaged Mm -hmm. and i thought this was really weird is that he gave her allegedly an engagement ring that was a blue sapphire with diamonds all around it and she wears it in this picture with glory all red and i'm like that looks exactly like diana's ring it's really weird. It's really weird. Yeah, Dodie gives me like weird vibes. I know. And I'm wondering if like, well, not even wondering, but I'm assuming that they are going to start season six after Diana and Dodie have passed. Like they're not going to show that, maybe show the aftermath of it. So we'll never have insight into what happened there. No. At all. No. But we see, you know, Charles has to go to Hong Kong because the Queen's going to Canada and he asks Tony Blair, Well, Tony Blair accompanies him as the new prime minister. And, you know, he asks for a private meeting with Tony Blair. And he's basically like, hey, we're two young guys. Like, finally, a prime minister who could be the the queen's son, you know? Mm -hmm. And so he's like, maybe we can team up. And word gets back to the queen. And obviously, she's upset. But again, it's this theme of, like, times are changing. The people want something new, something fresh. And if you're not going to do it as the monarch and the head of the monarchy, like people are starting to go behind your back. And she's coming to terms with that. To pair it with today and what you and I talk about on this podcast is like we're watching Charles make certain moves right now. And it's Mm -hmm. always like, I mean, that's probably such a weird thing. Like you're just like waiting for your mom to die or like abdicate a throne for you to like take over your birthright. Like that's a really fucking weird thing. Yes. It's 2022. Like that's crazy that it still is like so old school and and like Megan said, like formal, like behind the scenes, everyone's still acting like that. Like it's just not of this world anymore. And I get the wanting of tradition, but like at the same. So I'm curious what his coronation is going to be like. I know. Do you think the kingdom choir is going to be there? I was just going to ask you that. Yeah. (laughs) I hope so. I hope so too. I bet they will. I I bet they will. And I think Megan will be like. Yeah. You know. Enjoying herself. Mm -hmm. Free woman. Free woman. Oh my gosh. But it all comes back full circle because ultimately the royal family has to give up their yacht. They're not willing to pay for it personally. Yeah, Tony Blair was like, people are sick of paying for this. Like, yes. This is like, not- hello. And Charles agrees with him, mm-hmm. which upset Everyone the was queen. like up in arms. Yes. They were like, what do you mean we're going to rent it out? And Andrew yeah. was like, mommy. I know, Andrew, ever the baby. Yeah. And then we get this like closing scene, which I found interesting because at this point, Diana's lonely. So Mohammed invites her to his house after the ballet. Um, or to dinner, excuse me. And then she's like, oh, I don't want to be here for Camilla's 50th birthday. I bet Charles will throw her a big party. And he's like, come to San Tropez with us. Bring the kids because it's your time with the kids. And we'll just have a great time. And then we see the queen asking to say goodbye to the royal yacht and going through different rooms and going through her stamps with a little magnifying glass. Mm-hmm. And then we see Diana packing and then ultimately Mumu being uh, transported by tiny boat to uh, his yacht. And it's like, as one yacht is being sold, he's standing on his other yacht. And it's just this like old one chapter ending, new money versus old, like everybody coming to terms with where life is. I thought it was really great. 
It's great. It's a great show. Like, no matter if you believe what's happening really happened or not, you can't deny that it's like a perfect show, in my opinion. It's so well researched, like down to their like the costume design, down to like we've said, like how the characters actually take on the mannerisms and like behaviors of the people they're portraying. It's really amazing. And like, what is the wig budget of the crown? I need to know. Chef's kids. Because they're great and they need to teach uh, House of Dragons <laughs> yes. how to do a wig. Because <laughs> those, those people. Get on over to HBO look Max, please. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. So to finish up, we're going to kind of award some crown jewels for the best and worst of season five. Lex, do you want to start us off with the first award? So who was your favorite performer in acting from season five? I think Dominic West, who played Charles, is my favorite. Okay. Who was I Again, I've got to go with my girl, you know. I really, really loved (laughs) Imelda Staunton. And again, I think it's because I don't have the Harry Potter backstory. Mm -hmm. I thought, I, I just, again, like I felt for her the entire season. Yeah. Even though she's not necessarily the most likable person or character. I no, like she would definitely be like tied for number one. But mm-hmm. I really I really liked her. So who do you think was the most accurate casting choice of the season? I mean, I gotta go Andrew Buchan, who played Prince Andrew. Like I tweeted about this and a lot of people agreed with me. Like he was so good. So he was good. So good. And it was like Exactly how I wanted him to be portrayed. Yes, yes. I didn't want him to be portrayed any other way. Um, My favorite, or I felt the most accurate, was Elizabeth DeBecky, Mm -hmm. who played Diana. Just because, like, to me, she got, like, the mannerisms down, the face. Like, Diana gives a lot of face work, you know, lots of eyes. So Um, many. The the eyes were great. She's always glancing. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, to me, she was my favorite. Who was the worst casting choice? I said Prince Philip, played by Jeremy Price. And I have to agree with you. Okay, you do. Yes. He, to me, was the worst acting choice. Um, I think he's a great actor. It has nothing to do with that. To me, he just didn't evoke, like, the cheekiness that they always say Prince Philip has. The other actors who've played him have been amazing. To me, I just, I wasn't, like, as tapped into him as I was in other seasons. And I agree. No notes. Everything no. you said. No I just notes. didn't feel that connection to him, you know? Yeah. Which character would you want to see more of? Hmm. Honestly, <laughs> as the non-bowler of this community, I wanted to see more of Camilla. Yeah. Like, I really, really did. Especially as, like, we saw her meet with the PR and we saw, like, them starting to just be open with their relationship. Like, I actually really wanted to see more of your girl, Camilla Bowles. Yeah. I mean, as a bowler, <laughs> I do obviously agree. But someone I wish we saw more of, I wish we saw a little bit more of Diana's relationship with Dr. Khan because it's mm. said to just be of such like a deep, important relationship to her for her. And I would have liked to see how like that really was. I don't know. Like I just wish there was a little more. Which episode stood out as the best one for you? I go back and forth mm-hmm. between episode three and episode four. Okay. Because I love the Moo Moo, obviously. Same. 
Sydney stuff. Like that mm-hmm. to me is like so fucking good. But I also love the Princess Margaret aspect. I know. So I go back and forth. I know. I love like episode three, Sydney Johnson. Love you. Love. I just loved that whole episode. But actually, like, I really also loved episode nine. It's called Couple 31. Like, I even love the title, how it's mm-hmm. just like, at the end of the day, this couple is just another number going through divorce. And I loved those, like, inserts of the regular people. Like, I remember the first time I watched it, I wasn't, like, fully catching on to what was happening. I wasn't either. I was like, who are they? Like, yeah. I thought I was supposed to know who these people were. I first. know. And I so like- I really liked that episode because I felt it was, like, a little bit how they handled it was a bit different. It was unique. Yeah. Um, if you could change one thing about season five, what would you have changed? Oh, my gosh. Um, I actually would have wanted to see more of Diana and Dodie. Yeah. Like, I would have wanted thing. to see more of, like, what, like, how that came to be. Mm-hmm. Or even just more interaction. Like, you can, I like how it ended with, like, them not even, like, her not even going on the yacht yet. But, like, Seeing some more interaction from them just to understand, like, their connection. Yeah. I I mean, I know this is, like, it, this would never happen, but I just wish the season was, like, two episodes longer. Okay. Because I just feel like so much happened in this span of time that, like, leads us to now season six that it's, like, I just wish there was, like, a little bit more maybe Harry stuff or, like, William, like, as them as kids. But yes. Yeah, I think we're going like, to get more of that, though, next season, which will be I know, interesting. I know, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be, like, really sad, but I'm excited for it. Well, Lex, that's it for this week's episode of Crown Jewels. Please be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple and Spotify, wherever you're listening right now. And we will have new episodes every single Thursday, so be sure to subscribe now so you don't miss our next episode. A reminder, tell all of your royally obsessed friends and follow me at Lex Nico. You can follow me at Bravo Historian or take your Zoloft until Twitter (laughs) is gone for life. (laughs) Sam, I had such a good time with you today. Thank you. I had such a good time. I love this little bonus, this little deep dive, this little holiday treat. Me too. And if anybody has suggestions for what we should deep dive next, please let us know. Leave a comment, DM us. We're ready to go. We're excited. Our DMs are literally always open. Wide. Wide. Wide open. (laughs) So thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, may God save the betch. Betches.